Hey everyone, welcome to episode 54 of the Utah Royals FC show. This is our last episode before the season starts. I've got Megan with me and we have an incredible just wisdom of knowledge with us. Welcome RJ Allen. Hi guys, how are you? We're it's the end of day on Monday, so we're better now. <laughs> I'm, I'm so tired. <laughs> uh, Anytime after five on a Monday is a good time, in my opinion. That's yeah, that's a very valid statement right there. To Shay, all right, RJ. So you have all this clout to what you do, and you do it very well. And most listeners probably don't know who you are. So why don't you take this time to just talk about you? So I am the editor-in-chief of Backland Soccer. We cover women's soccer in the U.S. primarily, NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team. Um, I podcast on three different podcasts primarily, um, Quick Kicks, uh, which is a weekly show. We talk about games, results, all of that fun stuff. Um, I have 123rd Minute, which Charles only and I dig deep into women's soccer topics. Uh, the end of this week, we will be recording a podcast about the United States versus Sweden game in 2016. Um, and then I have Backline Live, which we do every couple of weeks on YouTube, where we take live questions. Uh, my co-host, Anthony, and I uh, come from different backgrounds. He's an MLS guy. I'm an NWSL uh, woman. So we sort of have debates and discussions. He brings in his men's soccer knowledge. I bring in my women's soccer knowledge. And we just talk soccer. So you can find me on the internet basically talking soccer most times of day. <laughs> Follow her at the soccer critic. <laughs> Yes, uh, my Twitter is at the soccer critic because I am a big fan of being a critic of all almost everything. Yes, go follow quality follow. Great decision to follow her. Definitely do it. Highly recommend. Definitely. Oh, I also write for RSL Soapbox. Oh yeah, we too. all just face that part. Yep, yeah. she writes for RSL Soapbox as well. Pretty yeah. cool. Do you write for any anywhere else? Like, have you? I oh, I know you wrote for Sounder at Heart in the past, right? Yep, I've written for Sounder at Heart, and I wrote for the Red Bulls site for a little while. That's actually where I got my start, um, was on the, the site that covered Sky Blue a little bit. And then I went off, I broke off, I went and wrote for a site called Midfield Press. They primarily cover men's lower division at this point. Um, a couple of friends and I just said, we want to do a site that does women's uh, soccer. So Backline Soccer was formed, um, and then... I did Sounders for a little while because I love goalkeeping and I love Laura Harvey. Um, and then uh, about a month ago, I messaged Cindy and said, hey, that Laura Harvey lady, um, I would like to write about the things that she does on the field. Uh, can you <laughs> let me uh, write about Royals things? And Cindy, through uh, some small miracle, said, yes, we would love to have you. And I've been working with you guys. And you are some of the best people I know in soccer. So I'm very excited mm -hmm. to work with all of you. I hope that was verbatim what you sent to Cindy, because that would be incredible. But I actually, if not, it's okay. <laughs> I think I thanked her three times for letting me write <laughs> with you guys, actually. That's how I was to Matt when I got when I got brought on a little over a year ago. I was like, I don't know why you're letting me do this, but I appreciate it. <laughs> I don't know why Matt keeps me around. I just bitch in the Slack channel about like yeah, things you haven't during written the game, a piece and that's in a while. It. So I, 
my exact words to Cindy were, I like you guys. You've always been incredibly nice to me. And I think you're one of my favorite group of writers in this league. That is verbatim what I said to her. That's going to be my new Twitter bio that I am RJ Allen's favorite uh, women's soccer blog site. You're my, sentence you're my favorite. struggle to get out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> RJ, you're, you're breaking a rule. I'm sorry. You're breaking a rule. There's no crying before the 30th minute of the podcast. Yeah, that's true. That is a rule. <laughs> Virtua breaks it whenever we have a guest on, though, so it's okay. Megan, you um, can say in your bio, you're my favorite 17-year-old uh, yes. Woso writer. Yes, I have peaked. This is the best life is going to get. I'm going to do it right now because I like to make my Twitter bio everything that's sarcastic. Right now, my Twitter banner is Lucas's tweet that says more like dumb Dwyer. So like, this is where my Twitter's at right now. Mm. And if you think I'm joking, I'm definitely not. <laughs> All right. Um, Shout out to Big Daddy Lucas. Go oh my god! On yeah, that cup is great. I'm pretty sure anyone who is affiliated or listens to the show for even a second probably already follows Big Daddy Lucas. Um, yes, but if but not, definitely. go follow Lucas Mueller. Mueller, how do you say his last name? I've never said it out loud. I don't think Lucas on Twitter. You'll know who he is. Just type Anyways. in Big Daddy Lucas, and you'll be able. Yep. To <laughs> exactly. It'll come up. You know. Long story short, RJ is a. Um, a fountain of wealth of knowledge and we're really excited to have her on the soapbox team and show us amateurs how it's done yes we're gonna all learn so much in the next hour and a half ish depending on how ranty we get today Mm -hmm. for real but honestly like go listen to rj's podcasts or at least just leave stupid comments in her live videos on youtube i'm always up for stupid comments stupid comments are what urfc show is founded on so yeah that and tangents about water fountains (laughs) yeah accurate all right let's get into it let's get into it actually talk about some soccer maybe so we had games that happened we had week one tony novo of sky blue stepped down which is a good sign we have been complaining about that for forever on the podcast, so that's great. Although it also means that a good friend of mine probably won't release a two-pole, which is hilarious of him. Not to give away any spoilers. I don't know. Maybe he still will. But that's probably a good sign. Um, Elise LaHue has taken over at Sky Blue, and I know next to nothing about her. So um, insert RJ. <laughs> so I really just have eight words that describe my feelings. Na 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 na. Hey hey hey. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> All right. So that's the end of the URFC show for the day. Um, we're gonna just end it there. I'm just kidding. Please keep listening. <laughs> uh, so uh, Lahue was at Chicago. She's somebody who has been around women's soccer. I believe she's a former player. Um, so she is somebody who knows women's soccer. Um, I don't know how she's going to do in this role. I don't know how anybody would do in this role. I think the ownership is really the problem. I think, you know, this is a little bit like dressing up, you know, a bulldog. It's always still going to have that gnarly underbite. Um, so that's the best I, analogy. Wow. I'm impressed. So I think it's one of those things where until you really see either a change in ownership or sort of a recommitment of ownership, 
Um, I don't know how much these changes are going to do, but I am glad that Tony Novo and the things that he has created are, are sort of gone because he did not do a real solid job when he was the GM. He did not. No, he it was very not. bad. It was very, very bad. Uh, we will see where that goes. There's been talk about this being Sky Blues last season. And honestly, I see it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. one of those things where, like, I, so full disclosure, I know a lot of Cloud9 people. Uh, when I go to Jersey, I usually am hanging around Cloud9 people. Um, I spent many a night on a couch in New Jersey on a Cloud9 person's couch while I was covering the team in 2017 just because they were kind enough to let me. And when you're a women's soccer reporter, if somebody offers you a couch, you take it. Um, so I am very close to these people and I have great respect for what they've done and I would really hate to see them lose a team, but ultimately it might be necessary if they can't find a new ownership group to have the league go forward and grow. Yeah. Without a doubt. It's the Mm -hmm. last thing that anyone wants to see, but just the way it's going, the plausibility of it is just really problematic. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to uh, Heather O'Reilly retiring? I want to call yes. you out there, Joe. Do it. What is H-O-R and why yeah. is it not H-A-O? Yeah, Heather Brit, O'Reilly. Brit told me to call you out on that too. When you posted the picture on the URFC show Instagram the other day, she said to make fun of you for that one. So yeah, it's definitely not H-O-R, Joe. It's definitely but it hail. Is. It, is, it is, but nobody Heather called her O'Reilly. That. No, it it's hail. Heather. It's Heather Ann O'Reilly. H A O. She literally yes. puts it in her post. Yeah, like all the time. I know. I goofed up. <laughs> it's okay. I goofed I just, up. It was yeah. just easier for me to remember that way. But yeah, I goofed up. Anyways, that's a loss for. I think women's soccer everywhere would have yeah. loved to see her play with the Royals. And obviously we had her rights traded away for Mackenzie Doniak, but she has left her mark on the game for sure. And what's really terrifying to me is that she is 34 and Becky Sauerbrunn is 33. Becky's so never going to retire. God, no, Becky is going to play until she's 87. Becky's please not allowed do. to retire. She needs to be the Ruth Bader Ginsburg of Woso and just Definitely. play for forever. So can I tell a quick Heather O'Reilly story? Absolutely. 100%. So back in the early days of uh, the internet and women's soccer and 24-hour Olympic coverage, back in 2004, I was a huge women's volleyball fan, beach volleyball. Um, and I was up one day and I was watching uh, some beach volleyball and all of a sudden channel changes and this game comes on and it's the U.S. Women's National Team. And I had never followed the U.S. Women's National Team before. I didn't catch the 99 fever, didn't catch the 03 World Cup fever, none of that. And I watched this teenager who is just about Megan's age, uh, a little bit older, uh, and she is playing and she's amazing right and it's heather o'reilly and she scores the game-winning goal in the semi-final of the olympics a golden goal uh back when we used to have golden goals uh and she scores it off of mia ham assist i believe and that was when i started loving women's soccer heather o'reilly is my mia ham 
Um, I said it on Twitter when I saw that she was retiring. And to me, this is the end of that era. Um, you know, the Tobin Heath and the Amy, Amy Rodriguez's um, sort of came a little bit later. But this is sort of the end of that era. And for me and people who sort of grew up that are my age, um, I'm a little older than you guys. Uh, Heather O'Reilly is a special person. When she subbed off for her last game and they did not replace her, um, that brought me as close to tears as I think I've ever been watching women's soccer. So this is a huge blow for for me, but I'm so glad she's getting into broadcasting because I think that's something she is going to be amazing at. Oh, she is? I didn't know that. Yeah, she's uh, that covering would be awesome. Cup in, she's covering the World Cup in France this year for Fox. Ooh. Wait, for real? Mm-hmm. Wow. So is she? But she's on the Courage's roster, right? Yeah. So she's going to France during the World Cup to broadcast. Um, so they're also uh-huh. losing Heather O'Reilly. Oh man! Just in case they couldn't lose any more people, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's cool though. I can I, I can get behind her doing that for sure. All right. So yeah, that'll definitely be sad. We'll see her a couple times this year. So um, the results of week one, obviously the Washington Spirit beat Sky Blue 2-0, and then the Dash and the Rain drew 1-1. One, one. Um, Jane Campbell saved a penalty in the 93rd minute to save a point for the dash and we play them right after we play the spirit, which we'll obviously get to the preview of the spirit. But every time the Royals have played the dash, Jane Campbell has been the player who just stood out so, so much, such a good player. Yeah. She's somebody that I think excels more for club um, just because she's got more time with them than, than she has on the national team. But I think Jane Campbell's a strong goalkeeper. She was at Stanford. She was sort of dubbed the next, you know, it girl in goalkeeping, and that hasn't quite panned out, I think, the way that some planned it. But I think Jane Campbell is definitely a formidable person. But she does have some weaknesses that I think uh, Utah may be able to exploit when it's their time. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree with that. We'll see how that goes. Um, also interesting is so Alex Morgan called out the refs. And so this was kind of interesting because as Real Salt Lake fans, we tend to call out the refs and get mad at refs a lot. But like, let's be real, y'all. NWSL refs are more frustrating than MLS refs, hands down. Definitely. Royals would have made the playoffs last year if um, Becky Sauerbrunn's face was not mistaken for a hand. <laughs> what a way to start a season, huh? Well, in a club, I guess, as a whole, really. I know. I know. So it's good that that conversation is happening. Definitely, without a doubt, because there needs to be improvement, I think, across the board, every league, everywhere. I know um, that this has been talked about in a lot of places, including the RSL show, and it's been talked about a little bit on RSL Soapbox, is that some type of in rugby you have the referees they're they're mic'd up you know so everyone can hear what the referee is saying and how they're making those decisions and they did that with some australian ref um in his last game before he moved to the premier league and it's amazing to hear them make the decisions in the way that they discuss and honestly across the board that just needs to be something that we do 
Definitely. There needs to be more accountability. You look even just like this week in the NWSL, there were so many things that we were like, why is this call being made? And we have no way to talk to these refs and be, and see why. And as a fan of the NWSL and you want to see this league succeed, it's just not great. So technically I'm going to, I'm going to put my media hat on for a moment. Um, There is a designated person in every press box um, in the NWSL to be able to ask the refs three questions after a game. Um, The problem usually is um, that the refs are giving answers that aren't necessarily helpful. Um, And that is something that I think can improve on. And I hope improves is, you know, the refs giving better answers to questions and not just going, well, why was it a handball? Because I thought it touched your hand. Like, that's not an answer that helps anybody, right? And I really hope that as the questions are asked this year, the refs, you know, are honest in their assessments because that helps us sort of figure out what the refs are thinking. Now, I think that a lot of the refs who are good are poached by men's leagues. They're poached by the USL. They're poached by MLS. And that really does create a drain on the women's side of having solid talent. There are a few refs in the league that are very good that are tend to work women's national team games, but there are a lot of refs that have left to go to USL and MLS that sort of leave that vacuum to let other people who are working the kinks out in their refing game ref games. And that I think is when you see the major problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because something fundamental about like, I think part of it's pro referee. I think a lot of it's other things. I think a lot of it is just human error and human faulty, which is going to happen no matter what. But, you know, like even the men's refs aren't that great. They're a step above NWSL refs, but they're still not that great. And so something needs to change. I don't know what that is. I think VAR sort of gets us there, but I just don't know. It'd be something that'd be interesting to talk to Ian and bring Ian on, who's also new to our soapbox. Um, on that note, was that a card, do you think, Klingenberg's stomp on Morgan? I think it was. I think I think it's interesting that Alex Morgan called out a former national teammate. Um, I know she mm-hmm. was calling out primarily the official, but I was actually really surprised that she tweeted about somebody that you know, and maybe she tweeted about her because they're friends and because there's not going to be sort of that, well, why are you singling me out thing? Because they can talk about it. But I thought it was as interesting that she, Alex Morgan, actually tweeted about this with a, a former national teamer than than anything else. And yes, it was definitely hard. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with everything you said. I was When I scrolled through Twitter and saw that, I was like a little taken aback that she would call somebody out like that. But yeah, like you said, maybe she's like, hey, I'm going to tweet this, by the way. Don't get offended type of thing, you know? Yeah, I actually differ. I'm not surprised at all. Um, and maybe this comes from my sociology and political science background. But Alex Morgan has a social capital that no one else in the league has where she can say those types of things and yeah, she'll get a fine, but she comes from a position where she can probably afford the fine and she will have that voice to back her up. Whereas, you know, like a Lola Bonta won't. So I wasn't surprised to see that. I thought it was good. I'm glad it happened, but um, we'll see if that's something that continues to happen. 
especially given, you know, like we talked about, we literally did not make the playoffs um, because a referee mistook Becky Sauerbrunn's hand for a face. Or, sorry, face, hand. Today's been a long day. Y'all know what I mean. I'm exhausted. Let's move on. Sorry, go ahead, RJ. All I was just going to say as a sociology major and a, a graduate of a sociology and anthropology degree, Virgil, sometimes you and I need to have a long conversation about women's soccer in a sociological context. Yeah, let's do it. On that note, you want to know something really funny that I found out just a couple months ago? So Charles Olney and I have a gazillion mutual acquaintances and contacts back from when he did college debate. And I was really shocked. So yes, let's mm-hmm. have those conversations. Maybe the three of us. Oh well, gosh. I, Charles and I Charles and I have a podcast together where we take I you know. guys into women's soccer. That's amazing. Maybe you should come on. Megan, you can come too. Oh, good. I will sit there and learn. Um, Anyway, I was just going to ask, what were your guys' thoughts on Ashlyn Harris after the Pride game the other day? What did you guys think about everything she was saying to the media? It's week one, Ashlyn. Calm down. That's kind of how I felt. I was like, okay, I get it. Like, you're frustrated, but give your team a chance to play another game at least, you know? I don't know. I'm kind of in the backseat giggling, going, Orlando's going to finish eighth. <laughs> yeah, that's valid. But yeah, I thought um, it was I thought it was interesting how she was like t- she was talking herself up all while talking her team down. It was it was interesting. Yeah. I, was, I was a little surprised, not going to lie. I like the aggressiveness of it. Oh, definitely. Uh, I thought that was unique and definitely not something you're going to see in a men's postgame conference. It was different. It was it was interesting, and I'm so glad you pointed that out because I meant to put that on the outline, and I just forgot. So one thing that I do think is interesting is when we talk about players is who can get away with things like that. I can't mm-hmm. imagine Nicole Barnhart sitting up there and giving that press conference. I oh, can't no, imagine. She, would, she could never, yeah. Never. I can't, right. I can't imagine Michelle Betos giving that press conference, right? Like, it's a, it's a very Ashlyn Harris thing to do. And Mm -hmm. it does sometimes make me wonder, as somebody who is a leader on that team, who's been captain on that team, of how the players, especially the defenders, perceive that. If that's something that is going to ultimately bring them together or sort of put that wedge in. And Ashlyn Harris is going to leave, and that's going to be Haley Kottmeyer's back line. And I do wonder if that frustration of going from national team to club has sort of caught up with her in the sense of, you know, she doesn't have Becky Sauerbrunn there to, to clean up mistakes in the same way. <laughs> so I, I just think it's interesting that she has done this in the past and she gets away with it in a way that I can't imagine another NWSL goalkeeper, except for maybe when she was doing it, Hope Solo, but Hope Solo was not a throw under the bus, my back line kind of goalkeeper. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't see anyone doing that. And you're absolutely right. She comes from a a place where she can kind of do that, you know? Good comment, RJ. That was great. I try. <laughs> all right. Um, so now we will move to all the things that anyone who listens to the show actually cares about. Just kidding. If you like these sort of around the league roundups that we we are maybe going to start doing, this is a test run. Let us know, and we'll keep doing them. Um, If not, we will not. (laughs) Um, So 
how it looks is so it looks like the Royals get the U.S. Women's National Team players for two games. So that would be (laughs) Becky O'Hara. I know, I know, two whole games. So that would be Becky O'Hara and Press against the Spirit in Orlando. And then I think everyone else will stay for four games total. So that means that we would keep the likes of Corsi and Scott and Bowen for at least games against the Spirit, Orlando, Chicago, and Houston. So we would lose them after that dash game. When does New Zealand and the U.S. play? Because don't they play in the middle of May? Wouldn't Bowen be called up for that, presumably? They, oh, they do. You're right. You're right. I don't know if there's an, is there a league international break scheduled there? I don't know, but you would imagine that Harvey would let Bowen go if they're playing in the U.S. and like St. Louis. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That game's in like the middle of May, which should be interesting, yeah. especially if New Zealand does a camp or anything beforehand. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They will probably lose Bowen, and I wouldn't be surprised if they lose someone like another, you know, another player who plays for a team that's competitive. You know, like I love Rachel Corsi, but it's a shout for Scotland to win the World Cup. Whereas, um, you know, even though Canada has kind of struggled, they could be there. So you could see that camp for Canada maybe being a, little, a bit longer. That's just what I saw on Twitter about, like, what's expected to happen. We'll see exactly. Um, but it really is, like, you know, we're going to be losing a lot of players. But like we've always talked about, it's going to be exciting to see people step in in new faces and new names and see what folks can do. Yeah, I think the World Cup, the one thing the World Cup is very good at is it gives players who would never start a chance to go out there and earn their keep in future rosters. Mm -hmm. Cool. So the title of this podcast is Everything You Need to Know About the Washington Spirit. So shall we delve into that? Let's do it. Let's do it. Party. So... Not a great team last year. Eighth place. Their disaster, I know you've said this on your podcast, RJ, is that they were kind of saved by um, Sky Blue being an absolute bonfire of poop, <laughs> really, um, because they were bad. You know, a negative 23 goal differential last year. They had a league ever worst, only scored 12 goals. That's like... A goal every other game. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. it's not a good look. It's not a good look. Um, if Sky Blue were not this, just like, you are a pile of awful that we don't really understand. We kind of do now with the conditions. Um, the Washington spirit, I think, would have been talked about a lot more and a lot differently. They would have been the highlight instead of Sky Blue, I think, if Sky Blue performed just a little bit better because it was just really bad for both of them. Um, some cool stuff, though, is so they added a local DC broadcast, which is something the Royals don't have. Um, we are trying to get that fixed. I know so many folks, including us, are super concerned that was taken off the air. And it's it's silly. It's dumb. That is something that as fans, we are trying to get fixed. We just need the right people to budge and say yeah, maybe it's probably um, worth spending a little bit of money and bringing that back on the air, especially in a World Cup year, which is a huge marketing opportunity. Anyway, so DC is doing that. So that's exciting, even though they're a bad team. If they're one of, 
I think, RJ, you can probably confirm this. I think the Courage are the only other team who have a local broadcast. I believe you are correct, which is shocking Portland doesn't, to be honest. I was just about to say that, RJ. You, like, literally read my mind. I was about to say that exact sentence. Yeah. I think with all of the the following Portland has, yeah, that they would have one. Well, maybe everybody goes to their games. Thorns games. Maybe. That's a good point. Maybe that's just because their attendance is so high. They're like, well, we don't need a broadcast. Yeah. I think there's so much Timbers Army overlap that, you know, most people know about it. You know, whether they go to the games or not is a different story, but most people know about it. On that note, and something I meant to bring up earlier, on the notion of broadcast, what do we think about this, the Yahoo, the Yahoo streams? I was pleasantly surprised. I had very low expectations going into it because I'm not a fan of Yahoo as a platform, but... It worked, and the site worked pretty well. The only frustrating thing was them deciding to switch streams on you in the middle of it. But like once they got into it a little bit, I was I was okay with it. it the commentating was pretty good. The quality was better than I was anticipating, and also like pretty high quality stream. Obviously, wish that we could just have ESPN show all the games. That would be ideal. But I was I was pleasantly surprised. I think Yahoo did a good job. I am in the same boat. I am not a Yahoo guy. The last time I was on a Yahoo website was, you know, to check my Yahoo email or Yahoo answers in 2008. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the the expectations were at zero. So definitely pleasantly surprised. Things to work on. I know I saw reports of things like not buffering and not loading, which is unfortunate. I didn't have that problem. And Go90 yeah. and the NWSL app were awful for me last year. I could barely get any games. So it was cool to see that. Um, RJ, how do you feel about it? So... I have mixed emotions as I do with many things in life. Um, For me personally, so I used a Roku just so everybody knows what equipment I was using. Um, It worked fine. The Yahoo app was fine. I know a lot of other people were having you. So you can't um, do it through a Chromecast, which a lot of people didn't know. So they were trying to do that and it wasn't working for them. Um, Some other people were using different equipment, trying to go from their computer or their tablet to their TV and it wasn't working for them. Uh, I had a bigger problem, not necessarily with the streaming, because I didn't have a problem with that personally, and more or less people were okay with that, but they were not easy to find, and they were not that is true. sort of something where if you're just looking for sports to watch, you were going to be able to get. You really needed either media people or teams or somebody else tweeting things out for you to be able to see them, and I think that is definitely something that the league the league has had this happen in the past, but I think now more than ever, that frustration is going to get a backlash. It's not just, we're grateful that this is on the air anymore. We expect more um, as consumers of, of the league. And I think that is something I don't think the league was prepared for quite. Definitely. I didn't think about that, but I I had to go through the NWSL site to get the links. I couldn't find them. So that is a good point. I, I do wish that was a little easier because you think if you click on soccer on yahoosports.com it would just come up but it definitely didn't it was a bit of a struggle to find it but i do agree i think that i think the backlash will be good though if yahoo hears that and listens that could be huge and get that stream to be just that much better mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right points sorry another tangent we're famous for it you should expect it at this <laughs> point um shall we go back to uh, dc probably <laughs> cool cool um, so new coach, Richie Burke, this is his first 
gig like this. He had some youth coaching experience with the DC United under 23s. Um, there's been a lot of accusations by former players that he has been homophobic and all around toxic. So that's super concerning. Um, you know, regardless, obviously if those accusations are legit, that's a big problem. Um, the fact that these accusations are being made, you know, there's probably no, you know, if there's smoke, there's probably some sort of fire. Regardless, it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out, especially, I think, with how young a roster the Spirit have. What are y'all thought, y'all's thoughts? Go ahead, RJ. Uh, Your thoughts will be more eloquent than mine will, so. So, I think that one issue I have with Richie Burke is more of a procedural issue. I have the same problem to be fair with the England women's head coach is there is no reason Richie Burke should be coaching a pro women's team. There's no reason Mm -hmm. he should be coaching a pro team. He doesn't have a resume that would get him a job at any professional men's club. Um, maybe a second division or third division team. Yeah, sure. But not in MLS or not in, and should not be in NWSL. He is there because he knows the owner or because he knows one of the owners. And that to me is a deep problem and a problem that knowing people should not get you jobs coaching a professional team. And yeah, I know it happens, but most of the time, at least on the men's side, there are some qualification standards and he just, he has a coaching license that is not to me enough without some sort of, uh, you know, pedigree in actual coaching. Um, so that to me is a problem. Him being verbally abusive to former players, I think is a warning sign. And I do not believe that the club, either his former or his current have properly investigated this. It seems like they had a statement ready to go that they pushed out to media um, when this broke, but if you have a statement ready to go, you know that there's a problem and that also is a red flag. Um, and I think some of the reason that Washington skated by last year is because they had Jim Gabara as their head coach. And he is seen as sort of an elder statesman in the game. He's seen as somebody very steady. You know, you may not like his tactics, but he's a stand-up guy. He's a nice guy. Um, and Richie Burke does not have that cover, um, especially with the amount of people who are in the media in D.C., um, that cover this team, that have covered this team for years and know what they're doing. Um, so I think uh, Coach Burke is going to have a rude awakening. He can't just say that he is the Einstein coaching fourth graders as he did in his introductory comments. He's going to have to show it. Yeah, I, those are all excellent points, you know, knocking on, on wood. It's really a guy who's not super qualified for his job, but that's probably – a really good thing for the Royals who will kick off the season against them at home. Hopefully it'll benefit us. Moral yes. of the story. And I think it will. I think it will. So some cool things about the spirit as well, just in sort of our, um, you know, I guess our little detailed overview of each team that we're going to do as we go into playing them is they have a new owner, Steve Baldwin. They've added to their coaching staff. They have player locker new locker rooms. They have a player lounge that they haven't had before, an equipment manager that they haven't had before. Um, the housing is supposedly better. I don't know the details on that. And they are having full-time laundry and meals served at team events. So these are all good things that I think everyone who wants to see the game grow would endorse. So that's good. 
definitely an interesting aspect when you figure that Utah had all of these things in their first season. It's a little disappointing that it's something we have to celebrate, but at least they're giving us an opportunity to celebrate it because mm-hmm. these are things that every professional athlete should have, and it shouldn't be taking this long to get to the NWSL, but I guess better late than never, but good on, good on Washington for at least trying to make some progression towards making things as good for their team as they can. I mean, I think this definitely goes to the point of clubs that are affiliated with another team versus clubs that are not. Um, Utah did have the benefit of having them inside and having experienced staff and having people who sort of knew, okay, this is what goes into running a professional club. Um, Not that Washington hasn't been running a professional club, but I think resources are different, right? The things that an independent club looks at as necessities versus things that you know, a, a team affiliated with a men's side looks at as givens, I think are different. That math is, is very different. Um, so I'm glad they have it, but it does make me nervous for independent clubs going forward in the league of if they can keep up to the Utahs and the Orlando's and the Portland's and so on. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it will, you know, the league is still so fragile in this discrepancy between the MLS sides and, you know, the non MLS sides, it is so interesting. And as you know, obviously this being a Utah Royals podcast, we are incredibly lucky and privileged that, you know, we get to support a team that has a stadium right off the bat where all these things are, you know, put in place, at least for the most part. All right. Um, so moving on, so I guess two relatively big losses for the Washington Spirit. So they lose Franny, Franny Ortega, who I'm a pretty big fan of, and as well as the Canadian international Rebecca Quinn. Wait, she is Canadian, right? Yes, she is Canadian. Yeah, yeah she, she is Canadian. So those are two players they lose. Um, they, they bring in two Australian national team um, national team players, uh, Chloe Lagarzo and Amy Harrison. We will see where that gets them. I, I mean, from the little of the Washington Spirit I watched last year, I feel that they were more exciting um, this weekend, and maybe that was because they were playing Sky Blue. So, I think on paper there's not a whole ton of change. And, but I do think that they will be a little bit better. I don't know. It's going to be really, really interesting to see. What are your, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Megan, you want to go first? Uh, go ahead, RJ, because I'm, I would kind of want to think about it a little bit more. So I think Washington, I think, is going to be an interesting team because Lavelle Pugh and Sullivan, Sullivan specifically, is going to really decide the tempo of that team. And three of them, have a potential to go to France. I think two of them are locked to go to France and Lavelle and Pew. So that means that they're going to have to try to grab points as early as possible. Now, in the context of Utah, I think that's going to be a harder, harder task than it was against Sky Blue. Um, I don't know how that midfield is going to hold up to Vero and, you know, Desi and, and, and the rest of them, but I think it's going to be 
a better test of if that teen has improved in some fundamental ways or if they're still going to frustrate themselves. Um, I think Utah, I think it's both a good first game for Utah to sort of get their sea legs under them. And I think it's an actual test of Washington to see if they're more for real than they have been against Sky Blue. I think that's a lot of, yeah, a lot of really good points. And I think that's kind of going to be how it is for a lot of teams this year is they're all going to have to see how they do when their teams leave, but get as many points as they can in the beginning of the season. As I was looking at, like, you say North Carolina, they're going to lose probably close to half their roster. And then you look at the spirit when they only have a few players, but those players are so key for them. It's going to be interesting to see if they're actually able to get a good amount of points and get themselves high enough in the standings before the World Cup and if they're able to recover after the World Cup. I think like around the league kind of as a whole, it's going to be who can keep it together through the world cup break. Cause everybody's losing at one or two players at minimum more teams obvi- or some teams obviously have more. So I think, I think it'll be interesting to see with the spirit. I don't think they're going to by any means make playoffs, but I'm hoping they can finish seventh, sixth, maybe even that's my hope for them. But I guess we'll see how they do once they lose their girls to the world cup. Yeah. You know, the spirit are, Really interesting because we talk about their best players, Lavelle, Pugh, obviously Andy Sullivan. You could argue that maybe Ashley Hatch is up there. The thing is, is that Lavelle, Pugh, and Sullivan sort of tie everything together. And so I I honestly I think that when at least, you know, when you know Pugh and you know, Lavelle go, I think it's going to be a train wreck for them. And so honestly, I kind of wish, I don't think that Utah's will be in trouble for this game, but if you could, you know, sort of pick and choose what teams that you play while everyone's gone for the world cup, I think this would be one of the teams that I choose, but regardless, um, this isn't really a game that I am worried about for the Utah Royals. That said though, and this may be a little bit of a hot take, but I do think that it's a must-win game. And I say that, I, I guess, for a couple of reasons. One, because in a 24-game season, as you saw last year, every game is kind of a must-win game. I think, secondly, you really want to set that tone, and you really want to set that tone at home. Third is I think getting a win will build the confidence and sort of give us stability that will glide the deeper parts of our roster that are going to be tested for the rest of the year. So I think really going out the gates and getting that good, you know, starting on a good note is going to be key for us. If we draw or lose, which I don't think we will, does that mean that we aren't going to play the, make the playoffs? Absolutely not. But I think it will be beneficial to us, especially this opening game to win it. And on paper, we are absolutely a better team. Definitely. I have to agree with that. I think it'll be interesting to see because obviously last year, I think Utah could beat the Spirit, no question. And I think this year we still could, but it'll definitely be interesting to finally see come game time what this team is really made of. Because you're right, on paper we look incredible, but you never know if that doesn't translate to the field. And hopefully that doesn't happen because I would love nothing more than to have only one loss like North Carolina did last year to Utah. Just have to plug that. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I think we, we have a good shot this year. I'm pretty happy with the moves we made in the off season. The one position and the one thing I'm worried about, um, in this particular matchup is 
if O'Hara plays, she will likely be against Pew. And that worries me as somebody coming back. I think O'Hara, when she's healthy, I don't have a as much concern. But I think if she's still working out the kinks of that ankle, that gives me a little bit of pause. And I think that if she's not in the game um, and Pew is going against um, either Moros or, or somebody else, Pew is a dangerous player when she's on her game. And I think the last game is going to give her a little bit of confidence going into this one. So I'm interested to see how the outside backs go against, you know, Shayna Williams and, and Mel Pugh and the like. I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup and, and this game's going to be won and lost on the wings, I think. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And going back to what we talked about coaching wise, I think, Obviously, that Laura Harvey can wipe the floor tactically with Richie Burke. I think it's just going to come down to that execution. And I think that the only way that the Spirit get even a point out of this game, and you know, to your point, I definitely think that you know Mallory P is very, very dangerous. I still only see a world in which the Spirit get a point being off of some silly error or, um, you know, an undefended counterattack or something like that, which is probably, you know, kind of worrisome, something to worry about that we start off slow because we we very well could, um, although I don't think that's something that Laura Harvey will do. I think we'll be attacking from kickoff. I don't know. We'll see. I will say um, if I'm the... Uh, younger players and rookies on the Washington back line. The idea of Kristen Press and Amy Rodriguez coming directly at me is going to keep me up between now and uh, next weekend. Most definitely. Yes. They're so young back there too. Yeah, they are. Yeah, that that's why you attack from the beginning, definitely. I think it's all going to depend. I think this whole season, honestly comes down to how we build up because the problem with the Royals is that they were solid defensively. Um, you know, obviously Corsi and Sarah probably the best center back pairing in the league. Kelly O'Hara, if she plays as a fullback is fantastic. Becca Moros is I'm incredibly biased, but I think one of the better older players in the league who probably at one point or another deserved a better shot at the national team. It was just too stacked there. Um, what's the point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make. They're really good at defense, but somebody needs to score some goals. Yeah. Thank you, RJ. Thank you, RJ. That's, that's, that's really it, you know, is that the midfield just could not get the ball forward. I think in ways that the ball needed to get forward and really sort of finish those chances. It seems like there was this kind of discombobulation between the midfield and the front three. And it's not that I think that we necessarily need to make a bunch of improvements in the midfield. Well, Vera was a huge upgrade and we'll probably talk about that a little bit later. It's just sort of an execution style thing. So that is my to watch thing for this year is how that midfield builds up the front three. Can I say something I'm super excited for this game? Of course. I am so excited. As somebody who's been watching the NWSL for a very long time, I am super excited to see Mandy Laddish healthy and ready to go because she was 
a game-changing player when she was at FCKC before she got injured. And she is exactly the kind of player that Utah needed at times last year. She's somebody who can do some really fun things out there and somebody who can do some really important jobs that not a lot of players do um, well. So I think if Mandy Laddish is healthy and even, you know, three quarters the player she was the last time she took the field, uh, this could be a really big thing for, for Utah and it'll sort of prove why she's hung around on rosters when she couldn't play for two years. I'm so pumped on that. Where do you think she plays RJ? Six, the eight? Um, yeah, I think she probably plays behind Vero and probably Gunny as well. I think she sort of is in that defensive holding position. Um, I, I would assume, I don't know. It's been a while since I've, since I've actually drawn up a, an 11, but that's where I would probably put her. Um, and I think if she can sort of let Gunny be Gunny and let Vero be Vero, she's going to be a huge asset. Because I think part of the problem last year was Gunny was trying to be Jess Fishlock and and Harvey was trying to get her to be Jess Fishlock and that just didn't work. Um, so I think yeah. having a more defensive-minded midfielder who can you know, play that position and let Gunny go up and just be like an agent of chaos, I think that's a huge benefit for, for everybody involved. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And going back to this sort of midfield discussion, I think that's what held the Royals back because, you know, Desiree Scott is a destroyer. It's it's in her name. And I think Gunny was just playing way too far back and she needs to get higher. And obviously, I don't know what the starting 11 is. We'll predict that in a few minutes. Uh, but I really would like to see Gunny get higher. And I think that that is going to make a, a big difference in terms of connecting the midfield to the front three. Um, also on the note of Mandy Laddish, I am very excited for her. I think she is the go-to slot in once Desiree Scott leaves for the world cup, maybe a little bit less aggressive, but a, a bit more technical. I am so stoked for her. She is going to be a brand new signing for us. Yeah, she's, she's, and she's somebody that teams don't have tape on. Like, yeah, they could go back to her 2015 form, but that's a long way in the past. So I think it sort of gets you, like you said, that new player, but who has been playing and who has, you know, she's been in team meetings. She knows what's going on. So it's sort of a, a buy one, get another player free sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mackenzie Doniak is another player like that. I know Cindy is high on her. I honestly don't know a whole ton about Doniak. Like, I'm excited about it. It's another signing. But it's also just like these players are getting healthy, and it's going to be so exciting to see like what they can do um, because clearly she is worth something if she's going to be in a trade for, you know, Heather O'Reilly. Lots of cool you know, subcontext storylines this year. And like Laura Harvey likes players that she has some handle on. Like Harvey is not somebody who's just going to trade for a player where she really doesn't know what she's getting. If Harvey has traded for players like this and has kept Mandy Laddish around, she thinks she knows what she's going to get out of them. And I think that's, that's something that she's very good at. She's not a drafter. She's not a trader for the sake of it. She, if Laura Harvey has traded for you, she's traded for you for a reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm stoked to see Mandy this season because I've obviously 
watch some of her stuff from when she, before she got injured, which like you said, isn't necessarily how she's going to play now, but I think it's, it's going to be good to see her get to get some minutes this year. Hopefully mm-hmm. we need to get her and Becca Moros on the podcast. I tried to get that to happen and then things got busy. We should, I should, I should push them more. We should make that, definitely that should. Be a lot of fun. All right. Um, so are there any other things we want to talk about in regards to week, or I guess technically it's week two, but the first Royals matchup against the Washington Spirits. Can I just tell you how much I love Becky Sauerbrunn and Rachel Corsi as center back partners? And I hope that at some point in the World Cup, U.S. and Scotland play just so I can get Captain Corsi and Captain Sauerbrunn because I will go to France and make Becky Sauerbrunn captain for that game if I have to because <laughs> I love center back buddies more than anything in the world. It's definitely Utah's spoiled to have that as their center back pairing because those two are unstoppable. It's so refreshing too because RSL it, it's a, it's like a revolving this- door of center backs with Real. I swear. It really is a revolving door of center backs. And as much as I I like Justin Glad and I like Marcelo Silva. And Nedham. You can't forget Nedham. Yeah, yeah. Well, so so I actually like Nedham the most. I think he's the most consistent. I would agree. But specifically with Justin Glad and Marcelo Silva, it's kind of unpredictable. You don't exactly know what you're going to get. Like, Obviously, we don't want to go too much into RSL, but like Justin Glad had a great game at the center back position, mm-hmm. and he was not great last year at all. And I feel like obviously he's young that plays into that, but even seasons before, and you know, Marcelo Silva can be really good, he can be bad. He's definitely an upgrade from someone like Aaron Mond or you know, Chris Schuler, but it's 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 an interesting dynamic. So to RJ's point which I think we would all endorse to have Rachel Corsi and Becky Sauerbrunn as our center back pairing. You do not get more blessed or lucky than that. Definitely. Though it does make it a little scary knowing that Becky's probably not got too many years left to play. Yes. Horrifying. The scariest thought of them all, but hopefully we get a few more years, but at the end of the day, she knows her body and she'll know when she's ready to retire. Mm-hmm. which will be in 2030. So we've got plenty of time, <laughs> but I mean, Christy Pierce played till 41 or 42. So she's got another decade in her. Yeah. We're good. Becky's Becky's going to be here forever. Yeah. You know, and in all seriousness and not just hope, I feel like if Becky can stay healthy, she is definitely the type of person who I think could and would want to play to like a 37 Definitely. or 38. I hope so. I hope we, I think, I think you're right. It's going to be, if she can not get injured because that always seems to be the kicker is they'll get hurt and can never come back. Like Tony Beltran is worrying me to become, but we won't go back into a real tangent. Yeah. If she can stay healthy, her game, her game's not going downhill at all. You can tell it almost seems to be just getting better at this point. So yeah. Best center back in Definitely. the league. Definitely. No far. question about it. And that's not even just the Utah bias, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. I just want to know when Kelly O'Hara's ankle is going to come back from the war. <laughs> so, um, Kelly was doing some pretty intense workouts in training. She was giving her all in sprints. 
I am pretty sure she starts. Although, shall we predict predict results of this game first and then predict lineups? I said in the Slack chat earlier today, two two to one with Kristen scoring both. That was completely a random guess, but I'm gonna laugh if it's right. I see that happening. I hope I hope Kristen scores too. Just comes in and proves all the haters wrong. Game one. I'm gonna go two to one with press with one and let's say Vera with the other. Valid. Yeah. I think I'm gonna go three zero. Wow, three zero, really? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three zero. Honestly, I think that just the the inexperience of Washington's backline, I think they're just gonna get torn apart by Kristen Press, Amy Rodriguez, and Vero. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's fair. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> it's just gonna be like six yeah. zero. Just watch. <laughs> yeah. My, I guess my biggest concern is um, how well Kelly does in a game situation and if Becca Moros is 100% fit, which last time I checked, she wasn't in full training. She was sort of there, but she wasn't doing everything, although that was earlier in the week. So we'll... We will see what happens there. But like I said earlier, I think that if the Royals get scored on, um, it's going to be a minor defensive mistake. Or an own goal. I uh, hope not an own goal. I think a lot of it just depends on who's the goalkeeper. Um, Because if... Look, I love Abby Smith. I think she's a fun goalkeeper. But she is more prone to the, I'm going to come out of the 18 and stop you. Oh, I just got chipped. Um, mm-hmm. mistake that Nicole Barnhart does. I think definitely. you know Barnhart is definitely a more reserved keeper, which sometimes can also bite her. Like that is also not foolproof. Um, so I think if there is a defensive mistake, I'm going to say it's Abby Smith trying to do some heroic thing, and it just unfortunately not working out. Yeah, that. Yeah, she. You know, those those moments of coming out of the box definitely cost us a couple points last year. I mean, I think I think she's probably learned her lesson without changing her style because, you know, and, and when you coincide that with injury, she she did get benched for it. So we'll see. Shall, shall we go lineups? Shall I go first? Go for it. Please. Okay. So Barney in the back. I'm going to go Kelly, Corsi, Sarah Brun and uh, I wish I had more intel on Becca Moros. So I'm going to say Katie Bowen. Then in the midfield, I'm going to go Gunny, Desiree Scott, and then we'll go Vero, Press, Rodriguez. And this is a super hot take and probably not realistic. But Taylor Lytle. Hmm. You know, I I was a fan of Taylor's last year. I think I wouldn't be mad about it. She had a great second half of the season. Real slow start. Didn't play much. But once, you know, Elise Torsness left and um, there were a couple injury issues, I think she really proved her worth in training. She was good last year. 
Lytle has some beautiful balls in. She can get thrown off the ball a little bit if she's not able to to get a quick release. But when she's on her game, she was Sam Kerr's 2017 season when she scored all of the goals. Um, I think Lytle was either first or second in her assist count with like four or five. So when, when Lytle's putting them in, you know, you get a good forward on that and they'll score some goals off of her. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, and I think if Lytle plays, I think that she may tuck in a little bit more, a little bit closer to Vero, closer to the midfield. Again, I don't know. These are all predictions, but I think if Lytle doesn't start, Katie Stengel does. And if Katie Stengel doesn't start, I think she is like a 65th, 70th minute sub. For whoever is not Kristen Press or Amy Rodriguez. <laughs> All right, RJ, you want to go next or you want me to? Um, well, all right, I'll just do it. I would. I was going to quote something vulgar, but I'll, I'll <laughs> hold myself for the moment. Um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go Abby Smith starting. I think I, I'm interested to see. Barnhart if she starts or not, but I'll go Abby Smith just to be different than Virgo. Um, I am going to go O'Hara, Sauerbrunn, Corsi. Uh, I'll go Morrow, so I'll, I'll believe in her, her recovery. Um, let's go Desi, the Destroyer, uh, Gunny, uh, Vero. I, I know that's boring, but that's what I got. Um, let's go, let's go Tamarack on one side, A-Rod on the other, and Press in the center. I think that's 11. <laughs> I think that's, yeah, that's 11. I, I can dig that. I'm an Erica Tamarack Homer, as I'm sure everyone knows. She also know. is one of those players that can get pushed off the ball a little bit, but when she's putting in crosses, can put up some great crosses. Yeah. For sure. All right, All right Megan. Mine's not too different, but I have I have a hot take on there. So I'm going to agree with RJ. I'm going to go Smith and back. Don't really know why. I just feel like Lara's going to give her going to give her a shot. And then my backup four is O'Hara, Sauerbrunn, Corzy, and I'm putting Bowen. I think I think Bowen's going to going to keep the starting spot. Um, then we got Scott, obviously because duh, you can't not have her in there. Scott Gunny and Vero. And then I'm going press a rod and Stengel's up top. She's my little bit of a hot take, but I think seeing how good she did last year, I think she gets, gets a chance to start this season and see if it can continue this year. I, I like that. I think if Stengel, a rod and press can figure out how to be a front three, it's going to take a little bit of pressure off the midfield because I think Stingle and A-Rod, I mean, Press can come back, but Press isn't one to just jog into the midfield if she doesn't have to because um, she wants to use her speed to just get a ball over the top and go. But I think if A-Rod, Stingle, and Press can work together, that's going to be one of the most compelling forward lines in the league. I think they're three completely different forwards, and if they can unlock that secret – how are you going to defend that? You have, you know, three completely different styles. You have to game plan for all three and that's really hard to do at once. Mm -hmm. I think, I think talent wise, 
the overall best 11, at least if we go based off last year, is Katie Stengel in that sort of center role. I think that it just sort of comes back to this discombobulation of the chemistry as to why I go with Taylor Lytle, but I definitely, you know, give, give, give to your, give to your point, Megan and RJ, that I think Katie Stengel outside of Amy Rodriguez and Kristen press is are probably our best forward. She's incredible. It's just that difference, which I think this difference between the style of play between press Rodriguez and Stengel, which, you know, has created these difficulties, but if they can get this chemistry together, you know, you hit the nail on the head, RJ. There also is the option of having Stengel be that super sub if she can handle that role of every time you take press out, you put her in, which she's a player that in the 60 or 70th minute, you do not want to see come in because she is big and strong. And when you are tired, that is not the type of player you want to have to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. see, the thing with press is press can play wide, but she is the very best Kristen press when she is in the dead center. Um, so that's why that super sub role for Stangle might be super effective. And then when press goes to the world cup, you have Stangle start games. And I think if Laura Harvey can manage sort of the personalities of that, that could also be a very compelling, uh, way to go. I'm not personally, I'm not too concerned about the managing of that. You know, those personalities, I think Katie Stangle is funny and she's loud, but I think she's reverent and doesn't, Obviously, everyone pr- would prefer a starting role, but I don't think her coming off the bench would cause problems or personal yeah, conflicts. I, but that's just I don't, me. I don't but again, think she you know, has the ego yeah. to be like, I should be starting every single game all the time type of person that you see sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I think, she, I think she'll, she'll just be like content with what she's got and make her best and make an. I don't think she's going to be the type of person that's okay with always subbing but i don't think she's also the type of person to be angry if she's only getting sub minutes i think she'll work her butt off when she's on the field and if if laura only gives her 30 minutes then she'll say okay in 30 minutes i'm gonna do everything i possibly can to make sure next week i get 90 mm-hmm. agreed agreed sorry to knock on you there rj but you know no. ju- we, just thought we can't always agree or it would be boring <laughs> Yeah, you're right. You're right. Sweet. So should we finish out with our, I guess, full season predictions? Why not? Do we want to go that route? I'm all right with that. I've already made mine publicly and on the internet. So yeah, I haven't made mine super publicly, but we'll, we'll drop some hot takes. Probably not very hot takes. They're not really that hot, but I'm about I'm about it. I am about it. Okay. So my winner is a hot take. I'll save that for last. So my 2019 predictions are Red Stars, or sorry, no. The Courage finished first. Red Stars finished second. Thorns finished third. And honestly, for the Royals to make the playoffs, which I think they will, they need to be just slightly better than the dash in the rain. I think the dash will be fifth. I think the rain will be sixth. Washington will round out that seventh spot. And for Orlando, we'll obviously get into this, the Orlando preview podcast, but Orlando's roster is not good. They lost a lot of players that they have not filled those 
those holes, I think specifically with the loss of the Brazilians, which we'll go into later. I think they're going to be eighth, despite Mark Skinner. Ninth is Sky Blue. Sky Blue hopefully win two games. <laughs> That's the goal. Two Just games. Just win two. Yeah. Um, I guess my hot take is that the Red Stars beat the Courage in the final on a Sam Kerr counterattack. All righty. I mean, those are my takes. Sam Kerr is very good at soccer. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, we'll go. We'll go with mine. This there's only there's not too many hot takes in here. I have Portland finishing first because I think North Carolina is going to struggle through the World Cup. That's that's the only kind of hot take I've got. And then after Portland, I've got Red Stars, Utah Royals, then North Carolina. That's that's hope hope that I'm wrong and I hope that North Carolina doesn't struggle through the World Cup but I think they might just a little bit and then we've got Seattle in the fifth spot Houston sixth Sky Blue I put up in seventh which is might be a little too hopeful of me but I really hope they get it together they're kind of that team that I'm like you can do it I believe in you and then we've got Spirit in eighth and I have Orlando finishing dead last this year because I think they're going to die during the World Cup. They're going to lose their only few talented players and just be a mess. So those are my mildly warm takes. I don't know if it's a hotter take that Orlando finishes last in your world or North Carolina <laughs> finishes fourth. I, I don't uh, know either. I'm just – yeah. I'm thinking maybe this is the year North Carolina struggles, and it's probably going to be wrong. They'll probably finish first and not lose again this year, but I'm hoping that's not the case. Um, I, so historically, uh, 2015, I want to say that's the year Portland didn't make the playoffs because of the world cup. I think maybe it was 2016. I don't remember, but the Olympics and world cup have not been as kind to Portland, unfortunately, as other, other teams. Um, so that, that, that is my one knock against your, uh, your one. That's fair. All right, so mine, uh, I have North Carolina finishing one because I'm not crazy. Uh, Okay, cool. So I'm crazy. (laughs) You're, it's fine. I'm just, I'm hoping if I put it in the universe, maybe it'll happen. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. Um, All right. So North Carolina one, I have Portland two. I have Rain FC in third. I have Utah in fourth. Uh, I have Chicago fifth. I actually think they're the team that is going to struggle the most uh, during the World Cup break. I have Houston in sixth. Um, I have a giant gap. And then I have Orlando in seventh, Washington in eighth, and Sky Blue in ninth. Um, And I really think that six to seven is a huge, huge gap. I agree. I think it's going to be kind of similar to last year where you've got those three teams fighting for the fourth spot and everybody else is just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think four and five will be really close. I think that will be really contested between, you know, I saw you tweet about this a little while ago that Houston could be a dark horse in, I think, I think your tweet said like maybe a couple years, they, they could be that dark horse this year. I don't know. I think that they have a lot of talent um, and those will be games that I think are particularly important for the Royals, just in case of a tiebreaker. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Though I think it's interesting if Utah gets in fourth and matches up with North Carolina, 
That I think that's yeah. one of the more favorable matchups they could get for a playoff, even on the road. Laura Harvey and Paul Riley are super fun to watch go against each other. It's almost one of those weird ones where most teams don't want to play North Carolina first round. I think it actually might benefit Utah. I would rather play um, North Carolina than I would Portland for sure. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Especially with everyone getting back from the World Cup. Because if there was a team that the Royals looked the worst against last year, it was Portland, hands down. It was hands down. There's just too many um, personal matchups, which I think would make it really, really challenging for Laura Harvey and company. Just my takes. All right. Any final thoughts, y'all? I'm excited. I, I think this is a team that can do some really fun things. And Laura Harvey is always better year two than she is year one. And I think that's going to be super fun to watch. That's a good take. I try. Agreed. <laughs> Awesome. You have anything, Megan? No, not really. Just buy your tickets. Go to the riot on on Saturday. That's pretty much all I've got. Oh yeah. yeah. So I I meant to open the podcast with this. Um, tickets are five dollars if you use the promo code Court or USWNT. So uh, go get five dollar tickets. Uh, so sorry, RJ. I totally no, uh, totally my fault. Um, the total attendance last week was seventeen thousand and change. Uh, I mean, I know you guys have a promo about trying to get more than a full week's attendance at the end of your Solomon game. So uh, let's make it happen. If you, if you get eighteen thousand, let's make it happen, guys. Yeah, I would be so up for that, honestly. I'm not super optimistic, but I, I hope and folks should go buy tickets. Yes. Holla. But get all your friends, soccer Saturday, show up to the riot, be loud, and let's prove that we can be better than Portland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the Utah Royals FC show. We will see you next Tuesday. <laughs>